0: Welcome to Reader Undefined.
1: The place where your friendly neighborhood bookworms come together to read and chat with you. The place where we explore the world of books, one book at a time, one world at a time.
0: We want to present you with books that will accompany you throughout your life, whichever stage that may be, just like they do with us. We hope you join us on our journey to delve deeper into the wonders of the literary world.
1: For today's literary tidbit, the German author, Hermann Hesse, who is referred to in this novel, once tried working in a bookshop, but quit after three days.
0: Well, hi guys. Um, this is Paula, and today I'm just listening to our um, book today, and... And this is Tamanna,
1: and today we will be discussing The Little Paris Bookshop by Nina George. Yes, clap, clap, clap. (laughs) So, a little bit of background about this book. It was originally written in German Mm -hmm. by Nina George, and it was translated into English, which is the edition that we are reading because neither Paula and I know German.
0: Yeah, that will be the next twenty years probably (laughs) that we could.
1: Yeah, and to give the translator some credit, um, it was translated by Simon Mhm.
0: Awesome, He did a good job, good job, good job.
1: Really good job. Maybe to start off with, we can talk about a little bit about our history with this book. Mm-hmm. I first read this book a couple years ago, and I loved it so much, mm-hmm. but I wasn't sure. I understood what... I thought I understood what it was saying, but it was mm-hmm. that kind of thing where I reread a book that I love the first time and I find out that I love it even more the second time.
0: Yeah, me yeah. too. Um, I read this book shortly after it came out. So this book came out probably in English, probably two thousand thirteen. So I read it a few a few years after. It gave me a serious case of um wonderlust. Made me want to go to France. <laughs> with my um, very little income because i was still in high school back then. <laughs> and then i really loved the book. I liked the idea of um, of a floating bookshop, but i didn't probably understand it fully until i reread it and then when i reread it and as, as Tamanas had said, she loved it even further. So that's my history with this with this book.
1: Yeah. And um okay, so short summary. Yeah, this book about Jean Perdue. he is a bookseller in Paris. He owns a refurbished barge that he has turned into a floating bookshop on the Seine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, Purdue is very sad because twenty-one years ago, the love of his life, Manon, left him, mm-hmm. and since then, he has been quite literally a shell of himself. He is a very, very sad man. He we begin this book with. Purdue being on rock bottom to the point where the only thing in his apartment is his bed, a clothes rack, alphabetized food in his cupboards, and a singular gigantic puzzle on his living room floor. And then a series of events happen, but they culminate in you unmooring his boat from the sun and just floating away to the French countryside accompanied by two stray cats and one lost writer looking for inspiration.
0: Aren't all writers lost?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, and <laughs> just, just an aside, they like, yeah, no writer has found its way. They just like write everything that they see. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. But also, um, this is the perfect book. For our very first, well, well, our second episode, actually, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, because it is a book about books, and it's a book about how literature can change you and make you a better person and shift your perspective. So, Mm. so, yeah, we support this book, essentially. Yeah,
0: we stand by it.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: And. 100%.
1: 100%. So I thought we would start this book by diagnosing Paula. Okay. Because <laughs> Purdue is, in a way, he is a soul reader. He does not just sell books; he sells cures. Yeah. Hence, the title of his book, Literary Apothecary. Yeah. He, by looking at a person, he knows what ails them mm-hmm. and what book can cure this. Mm-hmm. For example. At the back of my edition, it says Jean Perdue's Emergency Literary Pharmacy from Adams to One Arnim. Mm-hmm. And taking let's take one of the entries, I'm just gonna read out loud. Okay. Sure. So the one that we have here is Martin George R.R. A Game of Thrones, the first in a series of five novels. Helps one to get in TV habit and to cope with love sickness, the hassles of daily life and tedious dreams. Side effects, insomnia, unsettling dreams. Unsettling <laughs> dreams.
0: <laughs> Busy nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> probably
1: whatever those are insomnia yeah. and then unsettling dreams when you finally yeah. fall asleep pretty big Keep side effect right there. yeah you just not game?
0: fall asleep <laughs> do they are there more than five books in the series now i feel like this is quite old there's more than five okay yeah. there's kinda, i forget what the number is now i think there's like seven eight yeah but he takes a long time to write them out it's like a easy long time I think he's still writing them, right? He's still writing them, yeah. That's why the TV series has gone haywire, according to fans. Well, well,
1: as our listeners can tell by now, Game of Thrones might not be one of the books featured here. (laughs) Yeah. At least not yet. It's going to take us a while.
0: Yeah, it will take us a while. (laughs) Take us a while.
1: (laughs) So there's one scene where where Purdue diagnoses a customer, Mm -hmm. and he asks her a couple questions yeah so i am gonna ask paula a few of these questions
0: okay i'm breathing myself now (laughs) well paula Mm -hmm. what is
1: your morning routine
0: morning routine consists of well when i wake up i check my phone (laughs) <laughs> Look for messages and any possible gossip. You know, the paparazzi might have taken some photos of me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, uh... You know what? The gossip
1: again. never comes in the morning. It always comes when I'm working.
0: Oh, yeah. That's true. When you're mm-hmm. supposed to be busy. <laughs> yeah. So, well, joking aside, I wake up, go to the kitchen. My dad usually cooks breakfast. So I go straight to the kitchen and see what's cooking. Or... I go wake up, get go to the washroom and freshen up for the rest of the day and then do whatever I need to do. Pretty much one of those things. But yeah, kitchen is a priority. Always. <laughs> That's a morning routine. And eat, eat, eat. Yeah.
1: And Cunio, the Italian gentleman mentioned in the book, would approve. Yeah,
0: of course. Italian. He'd <laughs> always say yes uh, to that. Never skip meals. <laughs>
1: and um what is what was your favorite animal as a child
0: as a child well maybe even now I like dogs like big fluffy dogs like um Newfoundland they're um they're water dogs so they're really really big fun fact about them they actually rescued Napoleon the French guy (laughs) yeah from drowning I know that uh he was uh aboard a ship he was thrown aboard because he had a loyal newfie, um, he saved him basically pretty much. <laughs> and I like um, snow dogs, huskies, Malamutes, laughing malamudes, Malamutes, and St. Bernards. Any lo- uh, sled dogs? They're very useful here in Canada. <laughs> Just letting you know.
1: <laughs> yes, very useful. I'm sure sled dogs are very useful for you in the yeah. city.
0: Yeah, probably if I um, go up the mountains, try to get lost for a quote unquote vacation. Yeah, I'll bring them. I need a pack. <laughs> pack of them.
1: Get lost in the snow. Please don't do that. <laughs>
0: no, I won't. Maybe for like a a ski resort once upon a time. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Um, What is the most recent book you've read? Not counting this book.
0: Not counting this book? Harry Potter. Prisoner of Azkaban. That's the latest book. I'm uh, reliving my childhood, probably. <laughs> that's my childhood i'm not as harry potter or hermione just reading it
1: <laughs> so so what happens with the customer in purdue is that mm-hmm. he tells us that her answers don't really affect the book selection mm-hmm. because he he merely asks the questions to familiarize himself with her voice its pitch mm-hmm. and her way of speaking uh-huh i am not that good though I mean, I'm not I'm not a soul reader like for your hair, but mm-hmm. based off your wish to get lost in the Canadian wilderness, I would suggest A Call of the Wild.
0: Okay. There's London. a dog in there. There's a dog in there. That's a selling point. <laughs> That's a selling point. By Jack London. <laughs> <laughs> sure. There's That's also like a
1: laundry. Disney movie, I think yeah is it Disney I don't know it's on Disney Plus okay
0: probably it is.
1: also there are bibliotherapists who Uh seem to do what Purdue is doing they prescribe books that would help with healing Mm -hmm. and yeah it sounds very cool but it also Mm -hmm. sounds very yeah but I'm sure I mean it sounds really interesting that this is an actual thing you know like reading as a means of healing
0: especially now because people are like getting away from books or pretty much reading i heard i heard from someone that they said like who reads nowadays firstly i was appalled by that (laughs) when they said that people read every single day you're like really weird and out of the ordinary if you say that you don't read i mean even if you're playing video games you have to read that's the basic of everything so you saying that is just no. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy there's bibliotherapy. <laughs> we need it. We all need it. <laughs> Me too.
1: Okay. And yeah, well, speaking of healing, I really I really enjoy how much of an emphasis this book places on healing and also on the whole process of healing. It it talks about how it's not something that you can immediately do. You can't just you can't just unmoor your barge and run away down the river mm-hmm. because there's always a step after that. Yeah. And in order to heal, you need to be more open to your emotions. You can't shut them off, as you see Purdue doing for 21 years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you need to learn to be more in touch with yourself, with your body. Yeah. And you need to give in to your emotions, essentially. <laughs> and, well... I I really like how much of an emphasis the book placed on male vulnerability.
0: Mm, yeah, for sure. Like,
1: there's so many moments where you're given a view of the men of the book being emotional, and, mm-hmm. and that's okay. You know, I mean, it's really refreshing to see that in books.
0: Yeah, it goes against the whole stereotype archetype wherein, um, like, you see it in movies, other books tv shows where the men where there is a need to express something they just clam up and shut everything out they don't show anything because that's quote-unquote what is expected of masculinity i mean here now it's not considered toxic they're free they're expressive go ahead (laughs) yeah
1: and non is are not toxic it's what Mm -hmm. helps helps them heal um there's max who opens up to Perdue about his father
0: and mm-hmm. then
1: they hug and he cries. And yeah. It helps. And there is that my favorite scene is when Perdue opens up to Max and Cunha about what happened with Manon. Yeah. And Perdue is crying on one side of a dining room table. Yep. And Max leans over and hugs him. And in order to ground himself, he pushes aside all the dishes,
0: all the cutlery, <laughs> and
1: puts his knees on the table.
0: Yeah, and it's, <laughs>
1: and it's described as awkward, but they
0: need it. I bet.
1: <laughs> and the book also focuses on so many different forms of love. Yeah. It's not just love, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we see the love between the people in 27 Drew Montagnat um Purdue's apartment in Paris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a way, all of the neighbors, they're a family.
0: Yeah. Where a you big know one. so
1: much about them.
0: <laughs> a mm-hmm. really
1: big family. They know so much about each other. Yeah. They come to each other, they talk to each other on the stairwell. And what I my favorite little detail that George adds in there yeah. is the little concerts one of the neighbors has. She's mm-hmm. described as a world famous pianist. Yeah. Pianist. is like pianist or something.
0: Yeah. yeah. Sounds piano. weird to me too. I don't know. A piano. A piano. Pianist. That sounds really weird. That sounds really even worse, actually. Pianist.
1: <laughs> piano player.
0: That's <laughs> pretty okay, You're the person who plays the piano? That one.
1: <laughs> anyway, so. She is, I think, top five in the world, but she doesn't like performing in a, like in one room with a crowd. Like She can't do it. So sometimes the neighbor decides to hold concerts for the building, and Purdue helps her move the piano to the balcony, and all of the neighbors get chairs, and they sit underneath the balcony
0: Amen. on the
1: ground floor, and they all listen to the piano playing.
0: Music to their ears, literally. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And we also get um, like a father and son relationship with Purdue and Max. We see another form of love between Mirabel and Joaquin, Purdue's parents. They were fighting most of Purdue's childhood and they've been divorced for years and years. Mm. And now that they're apart, it's seems to have brought them closer despite being divorced they're best friends they meet each other like once a year for you asks Joaquin Mirabel's questions and then reports back to his mother the next day mm-hmm. and they call each other best friends and they complain about each other and it's just this weird kind of love that works for them yeah it's so cute though
0: It is. it is really cute they didn't lose mm-hmm. that love it just Became different.
1: Yeah, it adapted.
0: Yeah, it's a different kind of adaptation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And we see Manon loving two people equally. She loves her Mm -hmm. husband Luke and Mm Perdue, and she feels incredibly guilty about this, about loving two people. And then there, Luke and Perdue are the ones who are telling her not to feel guilty, and that how she feels is normal.
0: Yeah, like when I was reading it, Magnon's relationship with them, both of them just exemplifies the, um, the complexity of human nature and her ability to love because Manon's relationship with the both of them shows that we're capable of uh, loving a lot of people. But at the same time, because this kind of love that she wants to have with both of them, requires this kind of um what do you call this um because she wants to love both of them at the (laughs) same time with the same kind of degree makes it very complicated and because you need some sort of um, focus and special kind of attention it makes it look like she's already selfish and like she's capable of it but it makes her look so selfish because you want that special attention to that one person. And at the same time, because of this kind of relationship, Luke, her husband, Husband. makes it look like he's very, very selfless at the same time. I don't know if that even makes sense, but it just makes it look very, very complicated. And I don't know yeah, sad for me anyway.
1: Both of them seem, like Luke and Purdue seem to understand that this is how she is. Yeah. And they...
0: In a way, it was something that they loved about her. Yeah, but you know that they're to some degree hurting because yeah. she can't reciprocate as much as they're giving, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, That's and she felt that. guilty for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, but she can't change. She's finding yeah. it really hard to.
1: And, um, well, another relationship is you yeah. and Catherine mm. because, well, they're both each other's, like, second big loves, you know? So... Mm. We read about Perdue as he tries to separate Manon and Catherine, and he tries to let himself like let himself feel love for Catherine. No way. And there's also another type of love is Vicuño and Vivette, the girl he has been searching 20 years for, and we later find out that for 15 of those years, he hasn't been searching for Vivette specifically. But the idea of the vet, so he's been searching for, I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure actually, like.
0: <laughs> it's like he's um searching for an idea more than an actual person, right? And it's like, it's one of those uh, Instagram posts where it's like, oh, I want a boyfriend like you, but not exactly you, but kind of like you, so we'll <laughs> all be lost. I think he's pretty much like that. When he, would, when it comes to his, uh, searching. Very confused yeah. searching. Poor people. I think
1: he's trying to search for somebody who makes him always feel like that one moment he had with vet.
0: Yeah, uh, he's, uh, searching for a memory. But again, mm-hmm. the memory doesn't come back that often anymore. Yeah. But it's in the past. It's done. <laughs>
1: Well, lastly, we have the love between the author Sanary, who wrote Southern Lights, a book that helped Purdue get through those 21 years after Mana left him. And one of his missions during his boat trip, boat ride, boat ride. river adventure <laughs> yeah. was to track down the author Sanary. Yeah. And when he meets Sanri, we find that they do share a connection in a way. But it's a, like it's a spiritual connection
0: yeah.
1: where where the words Sanri wrote were in a way for Purdue. Yeah. It's
0: like, they were like he feels that it's been written for him specifically and especially, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like she knew what was happening and then wrote for her, him, wrote for him. Special. Mm-hmm.
1: I thought it was a beautiful book, and I highly recommend that our listeners read it. Yeah. Because we have tried very hard not to put in any spoilers in this episode.
0: Very hard, very hard. (laughs) Yeah, I would recommend that this would be read by people actually of all ages. But primarily, okay, if there was an age range for people that you want people to read this, what would it be? I mean, there are different stages in life for this book.
1: Yeah, I think this is the kind of book that could apply to a lot of age range because, I mean, it features people from so many age ranges, like Purdue, Catherine, they're all older, Mm. like 50s, near 50s. Yeah. And then we have Max, who's, I think, 21. Yeah, he's our age. Yeah. And, (laughs) oh no.
0: He's lost. Should go on a boat trip too. <laughs> I mean he's a famous author, like what am I doing? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I think this is one of those books that can apply to all ages.
0: Yeah. But I think all ages above twenty. <laughs> because I think if you're in high school or you haven't yeah, if I think you're lower than that, there's not a lot of appreciation for it yet. I mean you could understand it. It's not a hard book to read but appreciation-wise after, like when you're an adult, yeah. kind of, but like, whatever adult is.
1: Yeah, or you can go our route and read it in high
0: school. Like and pretend then, we're in France. <laughs> <laughs> we wish we were in France.
1: <laughs> and then read it again when you're older and appreciate it even more. What I love about rereading a book is while you read the same words again, you have... Mm-hmm memory of the first time you read it so every time I come across an underlined mm-hmm. sentence this is the only book I've ever underlined stuff for <laughs>
0: outside of school
1: yeah outside, of, outside school. of school so every time I came across an underlined sentence I remembered right making the underlines in mm-hmm. pencil and I was always like oh but they have to look nice so I'd erase them and then underline again to make the line straighter. lines <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay perfect
1: so to end our episode what we decided to do is follow the footsteps of Monsieur Perdu and diagnose kind of make a literary pharmacy entry for this book and what we have come up with is The Little Paris Bookshop by Nina George for those who are yearning to be loved and those who are mourning the loss of love
0: yeah Very true. Side effects. (laughs) Important. Important to figure out.
1: Very important. Um, Be warned, though, because the side effects are a strong urge to run away to the French countryside (laughs) on a floating (laughs) bookshop.
0: Yeah, I experienced that. Yeah, I was very confused.
1: (laughs) I spent a lot of time on Google Google Maps after this.
0: Yeah, a lot of um, checking up for flight, moving to France, the idea. But then again, I was in high school. I don't have the means to do any of those. It
1: doesn't help <laughs> that I read this in like
0: present situation.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just really want to go to Paris right now, but there's no point because we're pandemic.
0: Yeah, there's no uh, there's no leaving the house right no. now. All we can do is travel via Google Maps and videos of those travel <laughs> those travel vlogs. That's how we'll live for a while. Um, <laughs> thank God someone did those before years ago. But yeah, that's her diagnosis.
1: So I, I actually recommended this book to a friend a while mm. ago, and she loved it. And yeah. we have a future dream to go to France. I mean, she's she's already living there. She's in Paris. Oh wow! But to go to France, and well, I mean, I guess I'd be going to France
0: then. <laughs> yeah, you go with her. You take me. Yeah, go with her
1: <laughs> and go on a tour of the cities that were in the book. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Let's take see.
0: me, take me. <laughs> I would do that too. Literary tour. Literary. Isn't literary tourism a thing? Yeah, there is. Especially in um in England. Oh yeah. There's a there's a Shakespeare tour. There's a mm-hmm. there's a Dickens tour as well. And um I forget who else. There's another author that people actually do tours for. Okay. Uh, well there's a lot of British big names in literature. <laughs> so can't yeah. have all of them. But I think I don't
1: know, I think that's all for this episode. Yeah.
0: I think we're very good at like, diagnosing.
1: Thank you. Maybe I should become a bibliotherapist. Is there a degree, like do I need to do an English degree and then do a psychology degree or is there specific bibliotherapy?
0: We'll get started degree? this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're close enough.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Awesome. Okay.
1: Anyway, thank you for listening.
0: Thanks and for listening. You. That's all I that we have, I guess, right now. See you book. Yeah. See you soon.
1: See ya. Bye.